This is Rodney Rothman, and you're listening to Five Questions with Dan Chabelle. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Chabelle. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is writer, producer, and director Rodney Rothman. Rodney is best known for co-directing and co-writing the 2018 hit movie Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and the upcoming follow-up movie in the series Across the Spider-Verse. We talk about what he learned while working under David Letterman, his movies, and more during this episode. Rodney, welcome to 5 Questions. Thank you for having me as a guest on your show. What did you learn from working under David Letterman that helped you succeed in Hollywood? Don't be precious. That was a show and it was a job where there were 200 plus episodes a year. So whether you just produced the greatest, most legendary piece of comedy of all time or one of the worst things to ever stink up the airwaves, either way, you had another show the next day and it didn't matter anymore. So when you are producing things at that volume, you learn to be a little less precious about things. Having said that, I've forgotten that lesson since I worked on that show. And now I'm, I'm very precious about everything. Yeah. And I feel like people's attention span is like five seconds now, but we're our own worst critic. Mm-hmm. So we're always like, oh, I wish I could have done that better. Or maybe I regret this. But the reality is, as you know, it's what's the next project? What's the next? You're always kind of doing the next thing anyways. So if you linger too much on the past, or as you were saying, you know, you produce so many shows a year, like that's not, that's only going to hold you back from producing better things in the future. How hard was it to bring a character like Miles Morales to life on the big stream? And why do you think he resonates with audiences? As far as why he resonates with audiences, I think a lot of audiences see themselves in him in different qualities that he has. He's a character that, like Peter Parker, but different, he's a character that many people can identify with, you know, with, with various aspects of Miles. So that is why he caught on. People felt that the character was speaking to them and for them. As far as, you know, helping to bring that character to life, I would say that the answer is relatively true for almost any animated character. You're seeking to make a character that's completely fabricated by hand and computer. You're trying to make that character believable and you're trying to make that character a character that provokes deep emotion in an audience. So all of the work comes from studying all of the techniques and illusions and imbuing this character that is not real with what feels to an audience like extraordinary realness. That is where all the work lies. Definitely. And I've been a comic book collector and Marvel and DC fan since I was a kid. And so we always hope as audience members, I really hope they do this character justice. I obviously hope he resonates. And, you know, obviously some characters have more than others, right? And so especially, you know, in Marvel and DC with a lot of the characters that have been brought up to life, it feels a little bit hit or miss, but these are characters that could always surface again in the future. And there's been so many renditions of these characters. If you think about Joker and Batman as well, like how many people have played Batman over the years, you know? And so I do feel like there's this always this opportunity to reinvent and kind of tweak and and kind of evolve characters as well. What were the challenges of using innovative technology to tell the stories you wanted to in the Spider-Verse movies? I mean, it's nothing but challenges all day, every day, because you're trying to tell a story successfully and emotionally in a way that hasn't been done before. And that at the start of the project, nobody actually knows how to do. You have to invent everything. You have to repurpose 
pre-existing tools and pipelines. You have to invent completely new tools. It's a painstaking process that can take years and that can require spending significant chunks of those years in the dark and feeling like it's not going to work. Yeah, the challenge is, is when you take on the, the challenge of doing things in a new way, you have to take the, the one million punches in the face that comes with you know trying to make that ambition pay off. Now a word from our sponsor. Having trouble hiring, retaining, and developing your workforce? iSolved is here to help. iSolved People Cloud is a comprehensive human capital management solution that helps you employ, enable, and empower your workforce throughout the entire employment lifecycle. From attracting and recruiting, to onboarding and compliance, from payroll and benefits to time and labor management, and from talent management to predictive people analytics. Transform your employee experience for a better today and a better tomorrow with iSolved. For more information, go to iSolvedHCM.com. And what inspired you to write a humor book about retiring so early in your career? And what does your vision of retirement look like? Yeah, when I was in my 20s, I wrote a book called Early Bird. It was, I took six months off and I moved into a retirement community in Florida and I tested retirement out early to see what all the hard work was about. What inspired me to do that? I mean, what, I, I mean, I don't know. What inspires me to do anything? Like a lot of times if something seems so pointless and so dumb that it makes me laugh to imagine doing it, then I'll do it. You know, you know, you know, then that's a good sign. When I work with people, I have to sometimes explain to them that when I call something dumb, that's like a high compliment. If I'm laughing and calling something dumb, it just means like, oh my God, why would anyone spend time doing that? Let's all definitely spend time doing that. So that book came from that kind of an impulse. And it also came from a piece of truth for me. You know, it always kind of comes from both at the same time. A desire to do something that hasn't been done or that's silly or that seems absurd. And then identifying with the idea, feeling that there is something truthful about it. So for me at that time in my twenties, when I was already working pretty hard, you know, questioning what all that work was leading towards and what was going to be the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, that was stuff that I was feeling very acutely. So that idea felt like the right kind of idea. It was silly and it spoke to something authentic that I was feeling at the time. And what does retirement look like to me, gosh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to retire. We'll see. I, you know, I think not... you say that because a lot of creatives think like that too, because mm -hmm. you know it's not like you're burned out as like a teacher or doctor and you have, you've kind of paid your dues and you're ready to retire and, and that's it. I feel like creative, you always want to create. Making art and being creative, you know, is stuff that is instinctive to me. It comes from a certain fundamental way that I move through the world. It comes from a certain restlessness that I feel. It's hard to imagine not giving voice in some way to those sorts of impulses, but certainly people are going to take my um, audience away from me. But yeah, so retirement to me, you know, I mean, I think it's probably continuing to be um, engaged in things that are inspiring or motivating and meaningful to me. And then it's also as much as possible being surrounded by and spending time with my family and loved ones and friends. And that would be the dream of um, retirement. And what's your best piece of career advice? There's more than one way to get to the same place. So as far as what that means, that means something to me creatively, especially when you're collaborating with other people, you can spend a lot of time in conflict or arguing. And I just genuinely believe that at a certain point, you know, it's best for a team of collaborators to pick a way to go, whether it's right or wrong, 
doesn't really matter. You can always make an adjustment, but there's more than one way to get to the same place. Everyone wants to get to the same place. They just are arguing over which direction to go. Eventually just pick a direction and as much as you can try to stack hands and get there. And, and like I said, if, if you're not getting there, then you can talk about how to adjust and you could argue over that. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Rodney. To follow his journey, you can find him on Twitter where he shares his media commentary, movie reviews, and latest projects. To watch the full extended video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash Bell, and please remember to rate and review the 5 Questions podcast on iTunes. <laughs>